Amiak Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. So join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about connecting South Africa to the rest of the world. We're chatting about how we connect, what the connection's options are, and what happens when a cable breaks. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clear idea of how international internet connectivity works. Today, I'm joined by uh, Joe DaCosta, Executive Head of Wholesale and sale, Carrier Sales at uh, Vodacom. Joe, welcome. Hi, Aku. Thank you. So we always start the show by just uh, sharing your pedigree. <laughs> I don't know what else I can say, really. Um, yeah, I guess I've been in this industry for way too long um, and mainly involved in subsea cables. Um, from that, obviously, the terrestrial breaks off. So what I mean by that is we've obviously dealt with the WACs and SAT3 in terms of the cable systems that are coming into South Africa, also with Easy and Seacom. Um, mustn't forget ACE, little ACE that sits there as well, and SAFE, of course. Um, but then how to better utilize them. I mean, I think everybody knows that our business is uh, economies of scale and we need to leverage the numbers. So we then take terrestrial into account. Um, so I did a lot of work with Liquid uh, Telecom in the, you know, uh, let's say in the early stages. When it was uh, Neotel, what? No, before Neotel. Oh. I was part of the, the team that effectively acquired Neotel as, as per se and then okay. went that way. All right. um, but we built a lot of terrestrial networks effectively into Africa, connecting up Zimbabwe, connecting up Zambia, Botswana as well, um, basically all the landlocked countries. And we brought them back into South Africa, obviously getting the traffic uh, thresholds there, and then utilized the subsea cables to make them more effective, effectively to connect to um, to Europe. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fascinating. So, it, it, um, well, well, we'll get to it, but it sounds like uh, you're choosing always, because uh, it sounds like difficult work. It doesn't sound like easy business. Yeah, I, th I think I like the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so um Recently, and I don't know if uh, you'll share with us, recently yeah. we've had um, our internet affected in South Africa by cable breaks. And I thought, what a pertinent uh, topic to be had because yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, we just expect we open our browser or an app yeah. and we just expect it to work uh, without appreciating how, how uh, the complexities and, yeah. and the difficulty in, in terms of um, getting it there. So, so let's get straight to it. How does South Africa connect to the rest of the world from a, from a connectivity or internet perspective? Right. So, you know, we, we use a lot of internet, obviously, in South Africa as well. We've got good uh, connections in South Africa, but, or should I say exchanges, not connections. That's a great word. But obviously, a lot of the content that we want to uh, get to is overseas, uh, mainly being in America or be being in Europe. So we use the or rely a lot of those subsea cables. Uh, we have on the East Coast, we have Easy and we have Seacom. Those are the two prominent East Coast cables that run up through the Suez Canal and then connect through to Marseille, the Marseille being our, our main hub there. So, so yeah. just to put that in perspective, yeah. so we've got some a cable running. Uh, where does it start in South Africa? So it starts in uh, uh, Richards Bay, Amzantoti, depending on where you want to put it out there, um, and then runs effectively all the way around the Horn of Africa through the Suez Canal off to Marseille. So, and, and that's a physical cable that… that yeah, correct. They, physical somebody went and put in its… Lying yeah. somewhere under the sea. Correct, correct. It's insane yeah. if you think about it. And then it runs through Suez and then it ends in, in Marseille and then from Marseille it 
Correct. From Marseille, okay. we'll either dump it into another internet exchange there, um, which will carry it, or we'll uh, basically take it through to London or to Paris, even Amsterdam and uh, Frank, um, Frankfurt. Okay. Will be the last so that's one, yeah. East Coast. That's East Coast. East Coast, we've got two. We've got two. Okay. Okay. Um, then on the West Coast, we have um, Sat3. Uh, Wax. So it's really the original old dog. That's the old dog. Since 2002, yeah, that cable's been in use and running. Um, then we've got Wax, and then we've got a new cable called Ace. Um, and then we've got a very new cable, which is literally a couple of months old, called Equiano, that's now come live. Okay. Yeah. And how, and how, how do, um, do those cables then run? So here's the key difference, I think. Um, Wax will run all the way through to London. So does Sat3. Um, Ace runs to France. It's a bit of a different direction if you want to put it that way. Um, and Equiano now runs to Lisbon, to Portugal. Um, so a bit of a different direction as well. Um, but with those cable breaks, the biggest problem was effectively how those cables had been put into the sea in the first place. So, for example, Sat3, you've got a... You know, 2002, I think the, the knowledge there in terms of laying cables was rather <laughs> slim. So let's be fair on it. We, we give the guys kudos where we can, right? Um, so they laid it about 400 kilometers offshore um, from Africa uh, along the coast there. Um, and wax kind of followed suit very similarly that way. Um, it's only been later that we found out that the Congo River has got quite a long, uh, or should I say, very strong flow. And what happens is when there's a lot of rain, the flow you know, from the river comes into the sea and it actually pushes the rocks and boulders on the you know, seashore. No ways. Yeah, and, that, and those boulders actually effectively snag the cable and they break the cable. And so, yeah. you, so what you're saying is 400 kilometers not, is not far enough or it not deep enough. It wasn't far yeah. enough, yeah. So like I said, the guys Look. didn't know that then. Now we do. So, for example, with Equiano, we've laid Equiano about 1,000 kilometers, 1,200 kilometers offshore. So it doesn't get affected so much from that, uh, you know, push from the water effectively. And and then um, and then I assume then as the, as the cable then goes up whichever side of, of the continent, then then it taps off into the various countries where where those countries then tap into into that cable. Correct. So we we'll, we'll have spurs that come off those cables into those particular countries. Yeah. And then. Um, mm. Uh, so I think we we spoke about those those ones. Um, so let's uh, let's jump ahead. I'm I'm jumping ahead a bit now, but <laughs> no problem. You, you, it's <laughs> fascinating this to me. So so now you uh, you've got somebody that's mad enough to say, "All right, let's take a cable thousand kilometers." I, I, I assume that's sort of international waters or Correct. something like that. Correct. And we put it. I mean, I, I, it must be super deep. Um, I can't tell you the depth. I don't know that offhand, but yeah, it's it's insanely deep. Um, and and then when it breaks, um, how do you fix it? Yeah, so we send the ship out. Um, effectively, the ship does two things. It it will basically um, it's like an anchor, effectively, that they drop down and they dredge the bottom and they hook the cable, and then they pull the cable up, and they'll put a buoy on it and and effectively keep the the head of the cable up at the top. Then they'll fish out the other side. And this is obviously, you know, if there's a break. So when you talk about a break, it's physically yeah. the cable snaps. Correct. It's just, it's broken. It, it can break in half completely. I mean, those rocks sometimes shear it. Yeah, completely okay. in half. Yeah. So if there's a, a, a short break in it or a small break in it, that's fine. Then we'll only fish out the, you know, the actual cable and see if we can fix it. 
um, you know, by splicing it or whatever we need to do in terms of fixing that cable. Um, but if it's a physical shear, they'll pull the one side up, then they'll go dredge the other side, pull the other side up, obviously see where the, you know, the break is and then put a patch in effectively, a, a piece of cable that will effectively tie in uh, both sides of the cable. That is insane. <laughs> and then obviously then for the, um, for the period that that cable is broken, yeah. um, then there's nothing going across it. Nothing. Which means then all of a sudden internet yeah. – Becomes slower or it breaks or yeah, doesn't so work? Yeah, it, so, it, you know, it all depends how many cables break. So, you know, if we just lose one of them, obviously we, we reroute traffic onto the others and see what we can do. Uh, and I say this very loosely because it's also dependent on your provider's ability or how much they've got in stock, right? So from a Vodacom perspective, we're very lucky. We have Equiano, we have SAT3, we have WAX, we have Easy, we have Seacom. So we will just shift the traffic accordingly to the others. And, you know, our consumers won't know any different. Um, for them, it will be the same, you know, experience all the time. Um, but if you don't have that, then, of course, you have to make a plan. So, for example, if you only have any, uh, one cable on the East Coast and one cable on the West, you'll reroute traffic accordingly. Okay. So in the beginning days, I think everybody knows we had WAX and we had um, Easy. And we'd or CCOM, and we'd basically just move traffic over from one to the other. Latency picks up, obviously, from the east becomes coast. Becomes slower. Becomes a little bit slower, um, but capacity-wise, the same capacity was being able to, you know, be provided effectively. And then you were talking about say three now that's been in place since um, two thousand and two yeah. odd or whatever. So when um, when you put in a cable like that, what is the typical lifespan? So. <clears throat> A finance guy will bring it down to like five years. No. <laughs> um, support people will probably bring it to around 15 years. But um, the equipment and the cable, they try to put in there for around 15 to 20 years. It can stretch to about 25 years. But the problem then is technology has moved on, you know. So similar situation as with putting a, um, you know, something in space. Once it's there, it's very difficult to try and alter it or change it. Um, and, of course, you know, structurally, it's built in one way. You know, new technology is built in a different way. So, yeah. you know, it becomes an issue with trying to do any more upgrades. You get a limitation in terms of how much you can upgrade and how much you can go further um, until a new cable has to come in. Uh, so so what will happen with, uh, and I mean, not be too, no. to, to be too specific about it, but uh, a cable like that will, at some point in time, it won't be economical enough to, to run it, so you'll just decommission it and... Leave it under the That's under it. the sea. It, it's it's actually, and this sounds even worse. It's cheaper to leave it there and put a new cable over it, if that makes sense, than it is to try and dredge it up and and replace it with a new cable, if that makes sense. Okay, so um, to me, uh, uh, I mean, because uh, it must be massively expensive. Number one, to put in a cable, because I mean. Yeah. Just, I mean, if you just for me to think that there's literally you starting in a in a on a boat in Lisbon, and then you've I assume you've you then have a boat that yeah. comes all the way down Africa and drops the cable into the sea. Correct. Um, so, so that's one thing, and then yeah. and now somewhere along the route you have to have people that can when it breaks, like you say, get on a ship, go there, try and find the cable. Uh, yeah. So, so it sounds like it's massively expensive. I don't know if you if you 
at liberty to say what will what does it typically cost to put something like this into play so it's millions of dollars it's even billions billions yeah so (laughs) who who is uh, insane enough to invest in this so look if you look back in the history or you know way to go back um governments used to do it obviously because communication was essential right um, obviously, as the adaptation of communication has uh, gone forward, you then had the big money holders, which was mobile operators. So mobile operators were the ones that were investing. So large telcos, mobile operators would invest into it. Now you you get in a situation where the money is sitting with the OTTs. And the OTTs OTT? are um, over-the-top providers. So like your Facebooks, your Googles, you know, um, or should I say the Meta, the Alphabet, uh, yes, you know, yeah. those type of players. Um, but they're being a bit smarter about it. They, they know that at the end of the day, the mobile operators still control the majority of the consumers and therefore they've got the bulk of the money. Um, what they don't have is effectively a facility to go and get uh, a large loan to make this happen. Um, and of course, if, if Vodacom had to do a cable system, for example, you'll probably find that MTN wouldn't want to be on board. You know, no offense to MTN, yes. no offense to Vodacom, no, but I mean, you know, yeah. everybody knows there's uh, there's a bit of you know competition between the two. So you then find that MTN would want to put their own cable system in, which would be great for all the consumers, but in terms of economies of scale, it would be detrimental. You'll probably see the cost of data go up because we're not using that correctly. So what Meta have done, for example, is they've sponsored the Two Africa cable system. So that's the largest cable system in the world. Um, it's, it starts in Barcelona, effectively comes right around Africa, and then ends back in London. Um, and what I mean by sponsor is they become the bank. They've put the finances together, and they've brought all the consortium members together and said, okay, fine, we will, we will bankroll this. You guys pay us when everything's up and running. So if you if you're a member <coughs> of that consortium, that means that you're going to consume capacity on that and and probably on sell that capacity. Correct, or correct. Okay. You you you'd acquire basically a fiber pair, and that will put you in control in that respect. Um, and Google have done the same with Equiano, so they've bankrolled Equiano, um, which is down on the east co- um, west coast, sorry, of Africa. So. That's the way that they've controlled that market effectively is by saying, okay, we'll bankroll it. But I think inevitably if you start looking at the, you know, the way the trajectory is going, you're going to find a lot more OTT players that are going to be, let's say, bankrolling or owning um, you know, this type of infrastructure. Um, and I, I assume the reason why they do that is, is that the, the more or the easier it is for <clears throat> their end customer to have connectivity, the, more, the stronger their business becomes. Correct. And it's it's a little bit – it's twofold. They've got a twofold approach there because they're setting up nodes in Africa, for example. You know, So they'll put a node in place in Africa and they'll require the connectivity from that node back to a central node, say, in Europe or America. So if they're controlling that infrastructure, they're getting the benefit of having it very cheaply – you know, very cheap, not having to buy it through another telco. Um, and effectively, they can then uh, – be the masters of their own destiny in, in that respect. Um, and then um, just to sort of extrapolate it a, b- a bit more, uh, we spoke about now the, the African cables sort of landing in Europe. How do we, how do we, how does traffic then get to the US or to um, Japan or China or, you know, the, yeah. the far, far or South America? <laughs> so in, into America, you've got uh, give or take 300 plus 
different cable systems really? that are, are between Europe and America. And same story, under the same sea. Same story, under the sea, all the way through, um, and and will go through, let's say, the east coast of uh, the US. They'll land at different specific uh, areas. You know, that's for redundancy reasons and to make sure that there's always uptime effectively. Um, the same for Europe, um, for Asia, sorry, from Europe. Um, you've got terrestrial cables that go through, for example, like Russia and places like that, but you've got a ton of subsea cables that once again traverse um, and go through Suez Canal all the way through to, to Asia as well. And then from Asia to um, to the States, you've got, I can't remember the exact number, but also quite a considerable amount of cable systems that are running that way as well. So on the west coast of America, you've got a few more cables landing there as well. And then... Um and then uh, you, you mentioned now the sort of the terrestrial um, component of it. Uh, I mean, we can we can take our example and say we're in Johannesburg or let's take somewhere yeah. in Zimbabwe or Zambia. How does it how does it then work? Um, uh, it really sounds like more more cable going into the ground and more stuff that can break and need to be supported. Yeah, so a subsea cable is heavily protected. You know, you've got very strong armament around it. You've got um, quite a lot of protection behind it. So so it is far more expensive in terms of that, never mind the fact that it is, you know, a couple of kilometres under the sea and very difficult to get hold of, right? But the terrestrial cable can be a lot cheaper. But the benefit there is that it's easier to get to and we can basically fix it very quickly. Um, there is obviously the aspect of, you know, we got 54 countries in Africa, 54 different regulators. Oh. Some of them are a little bit, you know, uh, more restrictive than others. Um, so that makes it a little bit more complex in terms of the terrestrial cable systems in Africa. Nonetheless, um, it's still something that we've been doing. Um, but but principally for let's say for a company like Zambia to be connected, yeah. they they need to get out of their country, fiber, uh, a fiber connection into some sort of landing station, be it South Africa or, or Kenya or something like that. Correct. And that means somewhere physically there's a physical cable that, that got laid. Yes. So they've got, a, they've got two cable systems in Zambia, for example, that come through Botswana down into South Africa and from uh, Zimbabwe down into South Africa. But they've also got a very nice one that goes through DRC to the coast as well. Angola's built terrestrial up to their border as well, so they'll soon connect there as well. Um, but this has been the, you know, telco methodology now, is take the terrestrial cables and build them up to the borders. From the borders, you then get connectivity to the next border and you carry on going that route. Um, and it's to try and bring the price of the data down effectively, you know, not rely on subsidies so much. Um, and in Africa, it's important because we've got about 20 um, uh, subsea cable systems coming into Africa. So just to put it in perspective, you know, the call the the number of the world is one one three. So you've got one one billion in uh, North America, you've got one billion in Europe, you've got three billion in Asia, but you've got about one billion in Africa as well. And like I said to you, the connectivity that's going through between you know um, the US and Europe and Europe and Asia, um, you've got petabytes of data that's being transferred. We only have terabytes coming into Africa, and if you look at, uh, you know, how would I say the the age group um, that you've got within Africa, you know, average age in Africa is I think 19 years old. 
it's the right demographic for all the OTTs and all the, you know, digital. That's the, the, the type of, this, the age of customer that Correct. they want. So, so they need more connectivity into Africa. They want more connectivity into Africa. We need to grow that. Uh, and that's why there's been large investments into into that. You would have seen with uh, uh, MTN Global Connect, now called Baobab. Um, Liquid also did quite a lot of different uh, terrestrial routes and investments into uh, rural areas as well. Um, it's important to connect all these people up and get that going. Yeah. Um, and and again, and, and I know I keep on harping on about it, but it, it's if you if you had to literally physically draw it, it, it would it's it's actually fascinating. So if I uh, connect to the internet uh, in Johannesburg mm-hmm. on my uh, Vodacom data sim or, or, or <laughs> on my phone, um, and I want to connect to um, let's say. Facebook or TikTok or any one of those, WhatsApp. Yeah. Typically what would happen from my phone, I'd connect to a mobile tower. That mobile tower then has fiber connected to somewhere centralized in Joburg. From Joburg, there's a fiber either going to Durban or, or to Cape Town. And then from there, you jump onto that overseas cable, go all the way up uh, whichever side of Africa yeah. And depending on where you need to land in Europe or the States or in Asia, that's physically how it goes. Correct. Correct. It is just absolutely yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. And, uh, and then we still get in trouble because gamers say we're not quick enough. So we, we are working on that. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, like you say, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, you've got you've to just go look on a map and see where you, where you are. Yeah. So, so um, maybe talking about that, uh, and, and I think um, you were referring to, to you guys – the mobile guys having all of this cable redundancy. Yeah. I think you guys, to a degree, you guys made it look so easy that the customers, the consumers' expectation is almost unreasonable. Um, so, so from a sort of a, a, a speed or latency uh, mm. perspective, um, if if we start take where uh, Satri started yeah. twenty years odd years ago to where we are now, mm. what? What's happened from from that perspective? So we've seen uh, Sat three was about 180 milliseconds. We've got wax down to about 160 milliseconds. Um, Ecriano is looking at around 120 milliseconds at the moment in terms of going. But there is a there's a, a concern there in terms of how we can get that faster. Uh, it will be worked on and see if we can get that even lower. But you know we also we we're working with the speed of light. You know there's a we don't know anything faster. It is the fastest yes. we can get. Yeah. And obviously there's a limitation in terms of how quick that light can travel, the distance that it has to travel. So um, we're working on other ways to see what we can do as stopgaps. Um, and the OTT providers, for example, are, are putting nodes down. So trying to prevent the amount of traffic that goes all the way through to Europe, having it localised, um, you know, that will bring – latency down even quicker the experience, be, the experience will exactly. seem faster and from a and from a capacity perspective um mm. if we take a equiano or that um into africa cable or whatever yeah. what sort of what sort of capacity comes with a cable like that so you you're talking a couple of terabytes um with the few upgrades that go through we'll, we'll hope that the entire cable system can get up to a petabyte um, but yeah, that's. Let's see how the upgrades go on and, and how quickly we can put them in play as well. And and yeah. do you find from a from a, a, tra- a human behavior or a traffic 
uh, usage perspective that as you make more capacity available, it just gets taken up? Yeah, it's... Um, Do you think we'll ever, we'll ever uh, have a point where, where there's too much capacity? No. I, I, I think data is going to overtake everything. You know, uh, I don't think... I think anyone that's living at home at the moment, your house is digitized. What I mean by that is you've got so much automation in your house already. You've got so many things that connect to the internet. It's only growing. I mean... Uh, it, it's it's a requirement now more than anything else. Um, it's almost becoming something like electricity and water. If you don't supply, you know, some type of internet connectivity, there's a problem. Um, so yes, I think data will increase massively, um, and I think we've become, as a society, we've become very analytical as well. So we like to see, you know, historical data, new data, how it's going, where it's going, so we can see the trends and, you know, position ourselves accordingly as well. I mean, I don't think anyone gets into the car nowadays and doesn't put their, you know, Google Maps and says, I'm going there, only because you want to avoid load shedding and traffic lights. You want to avoid traffic, period, uh, and you want to find the quickest route. I mean, that means data is just increasing. Yeah, if you just think about that and yeah. think about in Google Maps in your car and in all of this transaction that we that we spoke about now. Correct. Um, so, so the the this most recent cable break. What was uh, how did it? What was the impact on that? Of that, what how did it manifest? Yeah, so its impact was quite great. Obviously, both cable. Well, actually, all three cables. So Ace was also down. Um, so we had to shift a lot of the traffic onto our very new cable system at Quiano, uh, which we were able to do. So, like I said, consumers didn't feel too much of a, a hit there. But we also load balanced and put a, quite a lot of traffic over onto Easy and Seacom as well. Um, you know, from a Vodacom perspective, like I said, we we had that resilience. Um, we are aware that a lot of the clients, a lot of ISPs didn't have that type of resilience. Um, you know, Vodacom did reach out to them in that respect to see what we could do, you know, in terms of helping them out. Um, but, but, but yeah. uh, Gian, and to me, that, uh, it's, a, it's a very good point, that, because um, I think – uh, you know, we spoke about the cost of data, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I mean, we know the market's really, really competitive. <clears throat> yeah. I always uh, say to business customers, as a, as a, as a business customer, you com- you're complicit to the decision that you make. You can't plead ignorance and say, oh, but I went with this ISP. I didn't know that uh, they didn't have cable redundancy and therefore it affected my business for a month. I couldn't connect or my, or my applications were slow or whatever yeah. the story is. And obviously, with enhanced um, uh, uh, redundancy, there is an increased cost. So the business has got to understand what it is that they that they're buying. We can't just say, "Okay, right, how much cheaper is it going to be? How much cheaper is it going to be?" Yeah. Um, so, so from a business perspective, the, the these breaks that happen—that's mm-hmm. that, if you're on an ISP that doesn't have redundancy, that means uh, if that if that cable is down, can it be as as much as you you can't connect internationally? Yes. You're going to try and go to, let's just use a bad example, <laughs> Facebook or whatever, and it's yeah. just going to be nothing. Correct. And, yeah. it, and there's nothing quick that you can do to fix it. Nothing. Nothing quick you can do because, you know, even activating a new link, everything else like that takes time, unfortunately. Um, it's not something that happens overnight. Though a lot of the providers try and help overnight. I mean, we had engineers working 24-7 to try and get that right. You know, the cable break went down on Sunday. 
you know, by Monday, we, we had restored quite a lot of our customers up and wow. already. So it, it's, where, where it's a difficult situation. Where did the break news say? Um, just, just past Congo, just, okay. uh, should I say, just above uh, Angola uh, and just below, um, gosh, my geography is going to go bad now. <laughs> just below Congo, I think it is. But yeah, it's, um, I think what you're saying there in terms of, you know, businesses make a decision, I think... A lot of the times they, they make the correct decision based on what they have at the time. Um, you know, obviously trying to cater for the markets that they've got, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean cheaper. It means a case of um, getting, how to say, more access, more capacity, more bandwidth. Um, what they don't realize is they don't sometimes take care of the redundancy side. So what we noticed is a few clients had, for example, 100 gigs on, on West Coast, and only 10 or 20 gigs on, uh, on so East Coast. So if West Coast breaks, then it's as good <clears> as you have nothing on the other side because you, you, yeah. you just, you're overloaded and, uh, and those, those circuits aren't going to run really, you know, and that's, that's half the issue there as well. Um, okay, and then I think my, my last question then for you is, is yeah. if you look at, so you've got all of this capacity coming on board, what, uh, what does the next three to five years look, for, look like in terms of South Africa and Africa? from this connectivity game? Wow, okay, <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, we're hoping for a few more cable systems to come in. Um, I think that's that's gonna be key. Um, we need to obviously, like I said, data is gonna grow, keep expanding on that. Um, so Equiano and 2Africa are gonna replace WAX and, and SAT3. Uh, other people can say what they want, I don't mind, but you know, you're looking at a 20 year old cable system and effectively a 15 year cable, uh, old cable system. So they're gonna be replaced. Yes. Um, and they're gonna need to be replaced. So 2Africa and um, effectively Equiano come just in time. Um, we don't have any replacements on the, on the east coast of Africa. Um, Why is that? Nothing's planned at the moment, and there is talks of peace. Is it, is it more difficult to to do it there, or is it just less traffic requirements? I or? think the regulator is a little bit more more difficult okay. there. Sorry, I actually I speak out of turn. I forgot there is two Africa does come there, but I'm saying there's no cable systems that are going to replace both of them. Yes, it's yes, going to yes. replace only yeah. one. Sorry, just to correct that. Yeah. Um, there is talks of peace coming all the way down to South Africa as well, but we had the similar problem with uh, ACE. You know, these cables that extend and keep extending effectively as time goes on and or permits, they don't become very reliable. They become very slow and uh, they're not cable systems that people really want to get onto. So peace might have that, you know, as an issue effectively going forward. But let's see how that all extends and goes forward. Um, so more cable systems. We've got more nodes coming in. So we've got AWS, we've got Microsoft, we've got uh, Facebook probably coming in as well. Um, and let's see if we can centralize it into South Africa. Um, and effectively, then you're going to see a lot of the traffic flows from the rest of the African countries coming into South Africa as opposed to Europe. It would be good to see us being more reliant on ourselves than being reliant on uh, on Europe. And that's purely so that we can get rid of, you know, using the euro or the dollar. You know, if we start using local currencies, uh, maybe our, it won't be so volatile. You know, when you, when you <laughs> speak about that, I almost uh, I, I go back to the 1600s where, where uh, South Africa was this yeah. sort of key shipping, alternate shipping route, you know, yeah. so, so that's almost what comes to mind. And it's pretty much the same. Yeah. If we can do that, I think it will, it will be a game changer for us as well. Okay. Well, let's hope, um, let's hope, I don't know, this, all of this stuff with bricks and whatever happens in the world, uh, maybe as a positive 
positive effect for us. Absolutely. Joe, thank you very much for your time. Very thank interesting. You, I, I, yeah, I feel like we need to talk about this more, <laughs> but there's so much complexity going into a, a simple little click on your app and the data is just there. It's Absolutely. actually fascinating. <laughs> thank you, Jaco. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, uh, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember that you can listen to all of the episodes on the Cliff Central app or website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you're looking for help with communications tools in your business, please visit catalytic.co.za.